And then the serpent told, he said, or you'll die, excuse me, or you'll die. And the serpent told them they would not die. And after they ate of it, they realized they were naked. Shame came over them. They went to hide themselves. And God came down in the cool of the day to walk with them. And he couldn't find them. Why? Because they were hiding. Because shame came upon them. The Bible tells us right before that, they were naked and they were not ashamed. There was no shame that existed that would bring man apart from God, a cause to hide away himself from God. But they were hiding away from God. God called them out and he said this. He said, who told you? Who told you you were naked? And if we're not careful, we have a bunch of opinions about ourselves. We are hiding away. We're collecting ideas and thoughts, and we don't even know who told us that. Who told you you were inadequate? Who told you you couldn't rise to the occasion? Who told you you would never prosper? Who told you you couldn't get over this sickness and disease? Who told you you weren't smart enough? Who told you you weren't tall enough? Who told you all the things that would try to limit us? We have to stop and say, who told you that? And you might be able to come back, my mom and dad told me that. Or, or somebody I used to work with, an old boss, or somebody else told me that. But we have to come down to the place of what did God tell us? What did God tell us? And the first time that we got together, we looked at where, where God had told different people different things. And then the enemy would come in or people would come in. Saul was a great example. God told Saul, go out and whip the enemy and totally take everything and destroy it. And Saul knew what God told him, but he yielded to what the people were telling him. And he didn't do what God told him. And God said, even though you're offering up sacrifice... Rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. Obedience is better than sacrifice. He said, it's better to know what I'm telling you and obey it rather than to hear all the other voices that are going on in the world. And so we've just accumulated more and more voices that are coming into the world. And if we're not careful, we don't know where those voices are coming from. We don't know what we're listening to, and we'll end up down the wrong track path very quickly. We need to begin to put ourselves in a position. We talked after that how Elijah went up into the mountain after a great miracle. And God put him in that cave and he began to, a, a, an earthquake and a fire and a storm came and God was in none of that. But there was a still small voice. And we began to talk about how do we hear that voice. We would love it if, if God's voice was as loud as the news media. If God's voice was as loud as those things that ring in our ear. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You can't do it. Why doesn't God's voice ring that loud? Because God wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. And God wants to speak to you from the inside out, not the outside in. God wants us to be more aware that he is living in us. He's not a part of the circumstance around us, but he is the force that lives within us. That we might know that we have this valuable treasure inside of us. Paul said it's a treasure in an earthen vessel. And when we know that and we recognize that we know that the power to overcome all of this is not of us, but it's of him. And Paul incurred so many difficulties, and he said, though I'm hard-pressed on every side, you cannot crush me because the power on the inside is greater than all the power on the outside. He said, you can persecute me, but I'll never feel forsaken because no matter what I go through, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He said, there's something, there's a voice on the inside of me that rings louder than anything on the outside. There's a strength on the inside of me that is stronger than anything that comes against me. And we need to begin to develop that thing on the inside of us. We are living in a world that is so soulishly set off in a moment by emotion and what others say that attacks our mind. And we need to become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We need to grow ourselves spiritually like never before. You might say, well, I've, I've taken the class growing up spiritually. I'm pretty grown up spiritually. Listen, there's no end to growing, and there's different seasons, and we need to continue to grow in God. We need to be, continue to be to a place where we are stronger spiritually. And there's a reason for being stronger spiritually, because you're more tuned to that still, small voice. And I believe that there's a time right now that we need to pay as much attention as we can to the things of the Spirit of God. James, in James chapter 2, verse 26, you all don't have these scriptures. Sorry, I just took a left turn. But James said this, he said, he's speaking of faith and whether or not faith 
uh, has works or faith is just a, a thought, a confession, or an idea. But he says this, he says, just as the body without the spirit is dead, even so faith without corresponding action is dead. Now listen, I just want to take part of that for a moment. He said, just as the body without the spirit is dead. Listen, the body of Christ without the Holy Spirit is dead religion. The church without the Holy Spirit is dead religion. And the church isn't made up of this building and say, I want to come into the building and have the Holy Spirit. The only way the atmosphere fills is with people who are coming with a life and an understanding and a readiness to bring that supply of the Spirit into the building. We can't bring a supply of the Spirit into the building on Sunday if we're consumed with all the other voices that attack us during the week. There's so many voices out there in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, listen, folks, in this day and this time, we are going to have to examine and try and test the spirits, whether they be of God or not. Come on, we're not in a natural battle here. It's reflecting naturally, but we are in a spiritual battle in the world and in our nation right now. And in the midst of a spiritual battle, the set-up winners of a spiritual battle is set to be the church. God set us up to be the victors in a spiritual battle because he put his spirit on the inside of us. And he says, you're going to have to examine the spirits whether they be of God or not. In other words, all the voices that you hear, everything that comes, you're going to have to stop a minute and see where is this coming from so that I can direct the information in the proper channel to come through the word of God, to come through Christ. How am I going to do that? Because the spirit of God is going to take it and he's going to lead it into a place where we can understand whether it's of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world. And so he says you have to be careful for the spirit of antichrist. And we, we, if we're not careful, we just think, well, no, that's somebody that arises in revelation that begins to take over the antichrist. But John said this. He said the antichrist is coming, but the spirit of antichrist is already in the world. It was already in the world 2,000 years ago when John wrote the spirit of antichrist is in the world today. And it's speaking things through all kinds of different forces. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, and you all know these scriptures, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, though we're in this world, right, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down, everybody say casting down, <laughs> casting down every thought, every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, against the knowledge of Christ, against Christ. He said, listen, there's thoughts every day that are coming with the spirit of anti-Christ, thoughts against the knowledge of Christ. He said, you have to cast those down and bring your thoughts into line with the obedience of Christ. He said, the only way that we are going to be ready to punish the disobedience outside is when we have brought our thoughts into the obedience of Christ. We thought, well, this Antichrist thing, it's so far out there, it's in the future, it's in Revelation, but it's working on hearts and lives of the church today. That our thoughts and our opinions could be so far off of the Word of God, that we become so politically minded, we become so circumstantially minded that it's dividing the body. Listen, saints, when your political opinion sets you out of love with your brother and sister in Christ, it's gone too far. It's gone too far. Leave the politics aside and step into the kingdom of God. Amen. Seriously, I'm going to stand on the soapbox for just another minute. This is ridiculous. We do not operate according to the course of this world. It's dictated by the prince of the power of the air. We shouldn't be caught up with it without even thinking about it. In a moment, we watch the news, and anger tries to set in. Division tries to set in without us even thinking about it. And if you don't grab a hold of it, cast it down, and say, no, not today. 
I'm taking this and I'm bringing it through the kingdom of God. And I'll not hate my brother today. I'll not lowly esteem them but based on an opinion today. But I'll esteem them highly because I know that they are of God. Amen. Do not let this divisiveness of the world divide the body. You can have an opinion I'm not talking about that. We are Americans. I'm not talking about that. But when it supersedes, I'm an American over the fact that I am a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I can be an American, but I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ in the earth. He says, you're going to know your mind by your love one for another. So all I have to say is stop it. <laughs> all right. Praise the Lord. And so listen, there's two main voices that we want to hear above all else. And then God speaks to us. He's put people in our lives. To put gifts in the body to equip us and strengthen us. But the word of God, we talked about this. The still small voice is the word of God. You read it, and God, this is alive. And if you read it as if it's just a book, it'll sit there, but it's alive. But the thing that really makes this alive is the Holy Spirit. He said the word is spirit and it's life. And, and he said the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And when we read the letter of it and it starts to come in, it has spirit to it. But when it goes down and we receive it into our heart, the spirit of God begins to work with this word. And he begins to churn this word. And unfortunately, in the body of Christ, so many times we want to know the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to see manifestations of the power of the Holy Spirit, but we don't really want to get to know him intimately and personally. And so we may see signs and wonders, but we don't know his voice for everyday life. We're waiting for him to do something spectacular, and we are missing the supernatural power within us. And he wants to be on the inside of us. He wants to lead us, and he wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. He wants to speak to us. Without the Holy Spirit of God, we have no real life. Without the Holy Spirit of God, you can try to love people all you want, but it won't be genuine love of God, for the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. It'll be a counterfeit human type of love that we say is God. He wants to bring a peace that passes all understanding, not a peace that just says, you know what, turmoil has settled down in my life now, I'm at peace. No, it's a peace that I'm at peace when turmoil's all around, I'm at peace. He wants a joy that rises up, not just because you tickled my fancy, but I know that there's something greater on the inside of me that gives me joy. The Holy Spirit is working something far greater in us. For what purpose that the world and its system and its circumstances cannot dictate the direction of our life. Amen. They cannot dictate the emotion of the day. And the course of the day, they can't take us back and suck us into a circumstance years ago. But it will take us and it will move us forward into something far greater. But if we can't follow him because we haven't given him the right attention, if we've stifled his voice in our life, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Oh, to know the Holy Spirit. We think we know him, but he wants to take us to a higher level. Amen. He wants to take us down into a deeper intimacy with him. Right? He wants to take us to a place that what we've heard, he begins to open up. He begins to reveal to us in a greater manner. He wants to show us a day-to-day -day walk. He wants to come in our daily study time. Right? Watch out. There's many voices that are in the world. There's many people saying that the Holy Spirit said and he didn't say. It's really going to be a time to listen and to know the voices that God has put in your life and listen. There's a lot of things that will sound good, but it's time to get in, hear what God is saying, and then allow the Spirit of God to begin to generate the detail, the function, the anointing that goes with it, that accompanies it, 
So that right here, right now, not in our our mind of something that's going to go on somewhere else out there, but right here, right now, we can have a revival in our hearts. We can have a revival in our church. We can have a revival in our valley. Because it starts with us, a stirring and an awakening on the inside of us. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, again, these are no new scriptures. This is just, this is something as a pastor that God put on my heart that I know to be true and to understand. We've watched and understand. It's a time that though we know him, right, it's a time to draw closer to him. It's a time to not just take for granted that we've known him, we've heard from him, but it's a time to start listening and be hearing from him. I remember years ago, Mary Frances Varallo came and she said, you're going to have to listen so closely to him that if he says stay out of that restaurant, you stay out of that restaurant. In that moment, she was thinking or talking about terrorism. You could go into a restaurant. God says, stay out, and something bad could happen. But right now is a time to know where the Spirit of God says go and where the Spirit of God says stay. It's a time of such accuracy and importance. Accuracy and importance to be in the right place at the right time knowing the right thing, and being equipped with the right power. It's essential. This will go right by you. Some of you are nodding, but it's essential that we begin to develop. We are coming into a day that it is essential. It's imperative that we follow him so that we can be in the right place at the right time, right, with the right understanding, with the right power to make a change. To be lights in a dark place. It's time to start tuning in to the voice of the Spirit. It's not to just say the Spirit told me I felt that. It's time to start tuning in and know what the Spirit of God is saying to us. Listen, he's talking to us, Jesus, when he even talked to the churches in Revelation. He said, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Right? You're hearing words right now. You're hearing, listen, return to your first love. You're hearing you've done great things, but you've left your first love. You're hearing you've done great things, but you've gotten caught in sexual immorality. And if you don't watch out, I'm going to remove your lampstand. He said, you better hear what I'm saying. Don't just hear I'm going to remove your lampstand, but hear what removing the lampstand means. Hear what sexual immorality is doing to you. Hear it, hear it. It's affecting you spiritually, going the way of the world, following the prophets of Balaam, the things that he told the churches back then. He said, you better hear it because you can hear me saying it and let it go by you and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says, if you hear what the Spirit of God is saying, it will position you to be a lamp stand for me, an influence for me, a light for me in whatever world you go to. It's time to sit and be able to say, listen, I'm hearing God. I'm hearing what you're saying. I do hear the natural voice that you put there, but I'm hearing what you're saying to me. And I'm starting to see what it means if I'm here, what it means connecting to the church and the body, and what collectively that means if we move out and we begin to affect our community. So he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter. 2 verse 9, he says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So often we stop right there and say, see, you can't know. We just read the Bible. We hope God will do whatever God does. We don't know what God's doing. We don't know what God's thinking. But he doesn't say that. He said that to Old Testament believers. Listen, he said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. They're past finding out. But he's telling us that the Holy Spirit of God has come to live in us so we can think in a higher thought. We can think in a higher way. We can operate and function in a higher place with him. Not be lowered to the debased ideas of this world, but raise ourselves to the mentality and the thinking of God. That we begin to see life from a different perspective. Not down where we live, but up where God lives, to see what God sees. I love Tasha's message last week, Ezekiel chapter 37. That was awesome. Come on, God's going to tell us more and more as we go. We're going to walk through the day. I want you to be aware of this. As we talk about this in the next couple weeks, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, I want you to be walking. I don't want you to get freaky. I don't want you to get weird. I want you to be walking and listen. You may be driving uptown, wherever you are, Rifle, Silt, Newcastle, wherever you are, and hear God say, what do you see? 
You might just say, well, I see Main Street. I see it empty because nobody's out and about. I see these people with masks. And he might all of a sudden say, now look a little closer. I want to show you what I see. Because when all of a sudden you start to hear what God wants to do and you see what you see, but all of a sudden you can hear what God, you can see what God sees and hear what God commands, you can begin to speak breath. You can begin to speak life down Main Street. You can begin to speak life in your neighborhood. You can begin to, because you see what God sees. All right, I can keep moving. He said, but God has revealed them to us. God has revealed them to us. Everybody say, I'm an us. God has revealed them to us. Through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of the man that was, is within him? Likewise, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. He goes on to say, listen, we do not have the spirit that is of the world. We're not listening to every spirit that's in the world, but we have the spirit that is from God. For what reason? So that he can show us the things that have been freely given to us by God. Alan said every promise of God has its yes and its amen in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to show you those promises, how they were executed in Christ, where you are in Christ, so you can obtain the promise. So where am I today? He wants to show you not where you are geographically, but where are you in the body? Where are you in connection with Christ? Where are you in your relationship with him? He wants to show you that. Romans 8, chapter uh, 14, he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For we do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy God. Come on, listen, I don't have a lot of time to go into all, all the things that are going on in my mind, but listen, the God of the universe, the one that created the heavens and the earth and everything that in them, in them is, he said, I want you to be my kids. And I don't want you to be my kids. I want you to be my heirs. He says, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. What's the importance of that? You know what? We can say I'm a child of God, and when you say you're a child of God, you think you deserve something, but when the Holy Spirit bears witness that you're a child of God. He begins to show you who God is and what Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection has left to you. Not what you deserve on this earth or how you should be able to participate in this and the rights and privileges. No, he wants to zero in on what Jesus purchased and what belongs to you as an heir. And he's the only one. He's the only one that can reveal to you and reveal to me what belongs to us, the detail of what belongs to us. We get an idea and say, God, this should belong to me. I'm an heir. But if you just are saying, you know what, this should belong to me, but I don't have it, we need to hear the Holy Spirit. If he says, no, that doesn't really belong to you. You want it. Your desires want it. But that doesn't belong to you. Leave your hands off of it. Keep your mind disengaged from this thought. This thought is not yours. The enemy's trying to plant it in your heart. Cast it down. He's the one that can distinguish those things for us. He's helping us. He's helping us. He's the one that brings this life to anything that's dead. We saw this last week in Ezekiel chapter 37, but in verse 13 and 14, he said, Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, when I've opened dead areas in your life, where areas and dreams and visions and things that have fallen dead in your life. He says, When I open those back up, know that I am the Lord your God. I'm ready to do what I said I would do. There's a lot of things for you that have been for an appointed time, and they seem to be dead, but God, by his spirit, is getting ready to open things up again. He's getting ready to open up vision again. He's ready to say that, and not only is he going to say that, and you say, well, I don't want to get my hopes up. You better get your hopes up. You better get your expectations up, because he's about to open up some things that were dead. He's about to open up some graves. He said, oh, my people, and I brought you up from your graves, and I will put my spirit in you. And you shall live. He said, I'll place you in your own land. Come on. Everybody's trying to get somewhere else. He said, I'll put you in your own land. 
I'll put you somewhere. I'll breathe life into you. I'll open up things that were dead, and I'll put you there. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. God put his spirit on the inside of us so that we could live. He put his spirit on the inside of us so that we could know him intimately and personally. We know that when we receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live in us. But so many believers say, well, I know I have the spirit of God, but they don't know who he is and what he's trying to do. I mean, for all we know, they just think the Holy Spirit's in their spirit with his feet up on the couch waiting for you to die so he can whisk you away to heaven. But he's not there. He's living in us to perform things, to develop spiritual life. He agreed with God the Father and God the Son. He agreed with them that I will live in them. I will make my abode in them. And I will bring to pass everything in them that you purchased for them by your precious blood. He's the one working out with you salvation. The Holy Spirit, not your mind, not your natural strength, but the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And we ignore his voice so often because we want to hear another voice. We want to hear a voice that sounds more familiar. But we need to get as familiar with his voice as we possibly can. Because there's so many voices that are going to be screaming at you. And you need to stop and say, and hear that still small voice saying, not this one, not this time. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. says, now, Paul's ending his letter to the Corinthians. He said, now, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all forever and ever. Amen. That communion with the Holy Spirit. We'll cover this a little bit later, but that koinonia, that fellowship, that intimacy... That's social interaction. One of those definitions is that social intercourse, that social interaction. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to just be with you in your prayer closet. He doesn't want to just be with you at church. He wants to interact with you socially every day. He wants to be with you in your social interactions so he can affect our social interaction. He wants that total koinonia, that total partnership, that total fellowship, that total communion. In John, the 14th chapter and the 15th verse, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do my commandments. How many of you love Jesus? About half of us. Praise the Lord. How many of you love Jesus? He said, listen, if you love me, you don't prove your love for me through works. He said, if you love me, you'll understand that everything I've lined out for you to do is for your best interest and you'll begin to follow me. He said, if you love me, do my commandments. And he said, and I'll send another helper. I'll send somebody just exactly like me. But he won't walk just with you. He said, Jesus said, I've been walking with you. I've been showing you the power of God. I've been telling you the power of God. And you've been walking with me and watching it. But the Holy Spirit will not be just with you. He will be in you. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to explain things to you that the natural man cannot understand. Right now, our natural man is trying to comprehend a whole lot of things, but the Holy Spirit's going to tell us things that our natural man cannot comprehend. He said, I'm going to send you a helper. In John chapter 16, he said, when the helper comes. The helper is that paraclete. He's the one called alongside, intimately and closely called alongside with you. He's called alongside to take a hold together with you against every situation of life. When he takes a hold together with you and you listen to him and you follow him, he begins to connect and pull you through every situation of life to bring you over to the victory side. We can't just say we want to know Jesus. We want to be good Christians. We have to get to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's the paraclete. He's the helper. He's the advocate. In a moment, we're going to watch a, a video that I think explains this best, but I want to give you this analogy because we're going to watch the video because some of you won't understand this analogy. But as I was driving, it, it was the Spirit of God was talking to me, and he said, you know, the Holy Spirit, it's, a, it's kind of a weak analogy, but just stay with me. The Holy Spirit is much like a professional golfer's caddy. He's his partner. He's always walking alongside of him. If you don't know golf, that's it. You know, every professional will arrive at a golf course. These golf courses are maybe not like the ones down here uh, that we go to, but they'll, they'll give you a book right off the bat. They'll give the golfer a book. 
And that book lines out the whole course. It shows you how every hole is, where it goes, where the dog legs are, what the yardages are, all the things that you need to know about the course. You have the book. And the golfer has the equipment, and he's had some coaching uh, concerning his swing and how he plays and his stance and all that stuff. But when he goes to a tournament, when he goes to win a tournament, he has the one that he's called alongside of him, his caddy. The thing about his caddy is his caddy takes all that general knowledge of the course. And when they line up at a course, they, they, they be, he, he, knows, he knows so well the professional that he's playing with is that they'll stand there and he'll know the yardage. He'll know how far this is to this. And he'll say, you need to use this equipment for this hole. He'll begin to tell him, I know what the book says, but listen, there's a 15-mile-an-hour wind, and it's blowing from left to right, and so you need to consider and take into account the wind. And they partner together, and they discuss it, but he always relies upon his caddy because his caddy will see things that he doesn't see. He's paying attention to it. And they'll get up to the green, and you'll see him many times just squatting down and looking. And his caddy's right behind him squatting down and looking. And you know what he's going to say? He's going to ask the pro. He's going to say, what do you see? What do you see? And he said, here's what I see. And he's going to say, based on yesterday and based on where it was yesterday, this is what it's going to do. And they're going to come into an agreement. As God was showing me that, I was just driving down the road. Last year, we played in this tournament. And... Uh, uh, while we were playing in this tournament, uh, we, we got this caddy. We were playing at the Broadmoor uh, in, in John Bevere's tournament. And so we've never had a good caddy before, just kids caddying. So I got this college golfer as my caddy. And the first day we went out, we just played. We just played, hit stuff. And he's back there writing stuff down. So all of a sudden, we start the tournament when it counts. He does the yardage, and he hands me my club. I'm like, thank you very much. It didn't take me long. I'm a little slower than most, but it didn't take me long that the whole day before, he was charting what I hit every single club. So we came up on this one hole that I played for, I don't know, about nine years because we've been down there for nine years doing that. Nine years. And what I, what I had forgotten is they, this day they'd moved the tee box up. He handed me my club. And this particular hole, par three, for some reason, I've been doing really good at it and putting it close to the pin. And so when he handed me that club, I said, no, I don't want that club. I want this club. And he said, no, you don't want to use this club. And I said, no, I want to use the club I always use. He goes, no, you don't. No. He said, right. He reads it. He goes, no, you want to. And I said, no, I want to use the club I always use on this hole because it works. So I come back and I hit the club. Boy, it looks like it's right at the pin. I'm like, yes, I was right. Except for it flew the green. Ended up in the back rough. And he stood there with a smile on his face with a different club that I would have hit it shorter. See, he had been watching and he knew. And he knew the, the circumstances. He knew the tee box was up. And he knew the windage. He knew everything. And he was my helper. Now, that particular course, the green can look one way, but because of the slope that comes down in Colorado Springs, is another. And you get down, and he says, well, what do you see? And I said, well, that ball is just going to go downhill and to the left. He goes, no, it's going to go uphill and break to the right. I'm like, are you kidding me? He says, trust me on this. And he goes over there, and he says, you just putt that right there, and don't putt it. Just get hit it firm. And I'm like, all right, I'll believe you on this one because I already missed it. And putt it, and that baby goes exactly where he says it's going to go. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to be your helper, and you have the Bible, and you know that you're saved and all that, but he wants to say, what do you see today? And you say, I see that going downhill. I have to hit it soft, and it's going to go to the left. And he says, no, it's a little bit uphill. You're going to have to give more effort to this, and then you're going to have to go to the right. Because that's what he's trying to do. And you say, no, you know what? I always use this. I always pray this prayer. I always use this scripture. And he says, not today. The tee box has been moved up. He's here to help us every single day. I'm running out of time. I saw this video on Facebook, um, and it's going to take about 10 minutes, so we're going to get out a little bit late. Sorry. Sorry to all the video people. I know you have to reset. But when I watched it, I thought, man, this, this explains what I'm trying to communicate so well. And so I could reenact it, but we might as well just show it to you. And so some of you might have already seen it, but just watch this video. Hopefully it will set down in your heart how intricate, how close the Holy Spirit wants to get in guiding and directing us. Go ahead. You got that? Can you hear me? I want you to listen. 
listen to me.
Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up? <clears throat> Hope you got something out of that. I usually won't have somebody else preach while I'm preaching, but uh, that just was something that I don't think I could just reenact like that. And uh, we know that the Spirit of God wants to deal with us uh, specifically. And we know the enemy wants to change our direction. And so it's more important than ever before. And we'll go on talking about the Holy Spirit just a little bit more in the next couple of weeks because it's so important right now that we hear that. And when that other voice is saying, turn left, the Holy Spirit's saying, turn right, and they're coming together that we hear his voice. We hear his voice. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I pray over this congregation right now, everybody who's watching, everybody who's in this room. Holy Spirit, that you would, in the only way that you can, begin to work, open up our hearts, and open up our ears, that like never before, we can hear what you're saying. The clarity of your voice for us will become clearer and clearer. Stir our hearts to desire to know you more than we ever have before. Draw us near. You are the one that expresses the very heart of God to us. Let us be drawn into the heart of God by listening to you. Descend upon this people in this place the supernatural anointing for this time, for this season. That as you lead us and you guide us, we are confident that we are also equipped with your anointing to bring life, health, strength, deliverance, and wholeness to those who are broken, bound, lost, and sick that truly we might be ambassadors of Christ wherever we go. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to end the service with another short video. Again, this is for our, I, I missed this, this is my bad. Next service, I'll try to move quicker. Uh, our graduation for our fifth graders. We want, to see, want you to see them. They're graduating, and there's little comments about there, what they like, what they don't like, and so we just want you to see that for their graduation. So go ahead and roll that. And to say this as they're getting ready for that. What God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Let's make it a great day.